0: This is the SFF Audio Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Julie from Forgotten Classics, and a good story is hard to find. Hi, I'm Misa.
0: And we're going to talk about Citizen of the Galaxy by Robert A. Heinlein, a 1957 novel. For some reason, it says 56 in the copyright date on the audiobook, um, but it came out as a serial in uh, Astounding, from September to December, f- over four issues, with many beautiful illustrations, Julie.
1: <laughs> I
0: can't wait to see them. There was also a uh, paper book, I think, in the summer of 57 uh, release, Um this is considered a juvenile, mm-hmm. um, which I I guess I was thinking this must be must be in his juvenile era. But, yeah, it definitely says it's a juvenile. But, uh, but it's my it's favorite of his book. books.
1: I love it's it. It's your favorite. Wow.
0: Is it your favorite? Really?
1: Well, my favorite Heinlein. Wow. Yeah.
0: Cause yeah. I, I mean, I really like it. Um, I it, have certainly certain classified in the top half for sure, maybe in the top quarter. Um, but that's interesting. Why is it your favorite?
1: Because I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I guess the show's done. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Julia approves. you can just go read it. Well, I don't know. I just, it's, it's Heinlein being Heinlein as I reread it this time, which it's been a long time. So that was nice. Um, in terms of a bit of a fresh view and after reading Kim, which you had recommended, Mm go mm-hmm. so with it. Um, I could see some of the connections and some of the ways he used that idea. But it it has all the Heinlein. He likes to tell you his philosophy. Mm-hmm. And because it's couched in this boy learning how the world works in a very broad set of cultures, which I thought were really creatively done, mm-hmm. um, he's kind of Doing it a little more gently than in something like Starship Trooper. Oh, yeah. Where it's, now we're going to have class. Here's five pages of my philosophy about the military and patriotism and war and everything. Yeah, Um, that was
0: really subtle. I was like, oh, this has themes. I can identify them. I'm not told them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so, I like that aspect. And also, it's, I would say, the most complex of his juveniles. I haven't read all of them, but a lot of the ones I've read have been definitely for a younger or simpler audience.
0: Yeah, this year's uh, a little older.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I also, his his books for adults tend to be much more heavy-handed to me. Mm. And I just don't like that heavy handedness. He can have a really interesting concept like the prison on the moon, but I can't get all the way through the book because I'm like, I'm tired of being told your philosophy. Mm. So um, that's why it's my favorite. It's kind of, I guess, at that sweet point between the juvenile and adult and does, but it's still Heinlein. Mm-hmm. You don't have to agree. I totally no, get no, that. No, no, I, I
0: I'm think you're right. That's the, the, you're making me reconsider this as maybe my favorite Heinlein novel. Uh, wow. <laughs> which is interesting because I, I I didn't I don't normally think my favorite I, I mean I always like Moon is a harsh mistress because it is so uh, it's got so many great characters and it's it's I, I, and here I'm not a character guy right but mm-hmm. I, I love the the computer I think that that relationship is amazing. Um, and the way it ends is so great. And it's also, it's on the moon, right? This is the definitive moon novel.
1: Okay, maybe so, I'll, I'll get it and I'll finish it this time. Oh, it's so good.
0: <laughs> it's so good. Um, but yes, there that. are a hell of a lot of lectures yeah. in there. And and it, you're right. Mice, is this your first time reading I Can't be.
2: This is my first time. Yes, it what? is. What? what? Yes, it is. Is this your first Heinlein then? <laughs> no. Okay, no, I didn't I think so. Read a few, and I've not read a few. You, you, yeah, you didn't get through Glory
1: Road. <laughs> no, I didn't. I've heard that's a lot of people didn't get through
0: yeah, Glory Road. Yeah, it's uh, it surprisingly got really crazy stuff in it.
1: Uh-huh. Yes, surprisingly. Wow, well, like <laughs> yeah. being crazy. What?
0: Well, the, that's the thing though. Is is this one? I couldn't believe how gently some of the themes that he he normally is like grossly obsessed with. Uh, yeah. Are handled deftly in this, right? Like, I guess it is the juvenile because it's it's aimed at a young audience. But the thing is, is it's serialized and astounding, right? If that, that must is, have been
1: so exciting to be subscribed
0: to that oh, yeah. or be
1: picking it up every month and have this story to come back to. Oh my god, mm. the
0: magazines back then are so amazing and they just sucked. It <laughs> they're so bad. I mean, they're they're <laughs> dying. Like dying badly dying today and yep. they've been dying since i i mean since i was a kid magazines have been on the wane you know um but back then magazines just really packed with greatness and and the promise every issue it says you know this is what we're having next issue
3: mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. see
0: your favorite writers in there, and say, oh my god a new one right that's so right. cool um and reading this as a serial in, in a magazine, I'm sure teen, teens were reading it and young people were reading it. But <laughs> uh-huh. I think that uh, just reading the issues of Astounding, you can see that it's not written for children, right? It's
2: it not, didn't feel like a, a juvenile. No,
1: especially no. no. And that's what I liked about it too: is it's it's not talking down or simply no. it's just no. telling an adventure story. I, I mean, re- re- with I read, the read this when it's I it. was young,
0: and I I totally loved it, right?
1: Yeah, me too.
0: I mean, I I think I loved Double Star more when I was young, but
1: um, I thought. Okay, that... that's probably my second favorite. That's a really
0: of... good book because you made Misa... me read
1: that one, and I did like that one a lot. Mysa, said, "Did you read that too. with us?" Oh yeah,
2: or no? I don't know if I was with you guys, okay. but I have read it. I remember, I'm, and, I, and yeah. I did like.
0: It's it's good stuff. Um, yeah. So, uh, I I looked up some stuff, and then I remembered some stuff. And I have so much I want to talk to you guys about this book, but <laughs> um, I'm worried that I might drown you out. So,
1: oh, Jesse, let's uh,
0: let's start wherever you guys want to start.
1: I loved his world building. I know that's a thing to say, but mm-hmm. I'd forgotten how many different cultures he manages to capture.
0: So we Just, got three major ones, right?
1: Yeah, we have. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Gosh. Jubalpur.
1: Sargon. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Jubalpur. And then we have the free people, the, right. the ship he's on. And then we have Earth. And, but I'd forgotten how many and places. And the henchmen, too. Which, yeah, oh, yeah. The yeah, military.
2: So,
0: yeah. Oh, that's right. I'd I guess forgotten that's how more, isn't
1: it? Right. Mm-hmm that's that's small shorter than the others but it is definitely there and then i'd forgotten all the places where he just drops in little things up and yeah. then they went here to go trading and they were like this and mm-hmm. and yeah. I thought, these people were like this and those people are I, like that. yeah and here's how these people traded which right. was they like land the on the
0: planet of the squid people and and right. they can't <laughs> communicate with them but they've got a blaster ready to shoot them if they try and run off with stuff
1: yeah, so they know. So they've got their piles of stuff that they, and I just thought, oh, I love this. This is really, you can see him reaping into Earth's history for the ideas of the trading and how different cultures encounter and communicate with each other. But he used it to just launch his imagination from, to make some place that felt completely fascinating and exciting and because of its alienness, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
1: that's something he yeah. loved.
0: You know, I, I have, oh, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna start in, so we better.
2: Well, we better what get about nice, Misa? Misa? Say let's Misa, let's What did you on. What What did I like? Yeah.
0: Sure, sure. What stri- strikes you? Or not? Um,
2: or not. Well, right. I, I no, I, I like the, I like the ride. Actually, mm-hmm. just watching him go, um, just through all those uh, incarnations, and mm-hmm. and uh, and just opening up with him.
0: Yep. He's um he's he's kind of a blank slate i guess is is the
2: mm-hmm. the,
0: the unspoken premise but um he allows yeah. us to be and, that and, r- rider with him
2: and 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 i really like the like the way that they were talking about slavery like and and the definition so then and then mm. i spent a lot of time thinking okay well so who is a slave who isn't a slave
3: mm-hmm. you know
2: in depending on on your context like how free is anybody um so, I like the, the mm-hmm. fact that it made me, you know, like really consider how much of what anybody says or does or thinks is free.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Because that was so deeply entrenched within the text.
0: It's, it, I, yeah. I normally never see themes, you know, like when they, they always make students write about themes and I'm trying to help the kid. I'm like, oh, I don't know what this book is about. <laughs> No. Yeah, no themes. No <laughs> themes. I don't know what these are about, but that word "free" comes up a lot, um, mm-hmm. and of course with the slavery aspect, right? Um,
2: yeah.
0: So there, I just I did this OCR like, so I could find it, and that was the freest time he had ever known.
2: Right? The freest mm-hmm. time it was when he was a slave, right? Right, and th- and and like that struck me really strongly too, um, when when he said that.
0: And and write that straight out of Kim, right? That's what's mm-hmm. so cool is he really yeah. did take the novel Kim as his starting point and then he totally changes it up. But then I'm realizing, oh, it's coming back to sort of he, certain guess, scenes, right?
2: Yeah. And and yeah. he ended it the same way too, essentially.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. The influence yeah. of the elders. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's and, one of the things I love that kind of ties into what you're saying, Misa, which is because the thing that makes you free is the influences of the people on you and your ability to look at those and then look at your own life and say, here's what I'm going to, you know, here's what I think is important out of what what they said. Yeah. what they and, taught. Yeah. And I now I'm going forward with this.
2: And, but, but even like com- coming back to that ending, Kim ends by saying, I'm not a, a sahib, I am thy chela. Yeah, and this one ends essentially the same way. He's talking to his dad, and he says, "I'm going to finish your work."
1: Mm. Yeah, right. That's beautiful. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I didn't catch that. You're you're so good.
0: It's, it's <laughs> interesting. Are. There's a number of points where it comes back. Um, so the scene, remember, where in in Kim, where the the two priests and the uh, monk. And the military officer are all in the room. We're, we got to figure out what to do about this mm-hmm. kid. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, give, get him into his his, uh, his airship, right? And then right. maybe get him, uh, keep him in that position uh, that he's been, you know, operating as a spy <laughs> spy yes. for. And then thinking about the free traders, right? Um, they're the horse dealers of this oh, world, yes. Right? right? Yes, that's right. It's not interesting. It's Mm -hmm. like we don't see that at first. And I don't think he ever, I don't think there's a shout out anywhere in the book to uh, Kipling at all. Uh -uh. It's just, I love how he just lets that be there and you can feel it, right? Mm -hmm. You can feel it if you've read the book.
1: Yeah, that's. it was so obvious this time through, once you had said that, and, you know, again, I thank you for pointing it out, because I wouldn't have read Kim otherwise, and I had to force myself through that, but then wound up loving it, and yeah. then, but this coming back to it, you're like, oh, yeah, just like Kim, he's thoroughly embedded in the culture that he's in, and Thor is, and then Thorby is, and then um, as he goes along and discovers his true heritage, the responsibilities grow. He struggles with, you know, what am I loyal to? Which culture? How can I incorporate all this? And that's one of the things I did. I don't love the ending section because it does get boring and businessy and everything. But but it's important in terms of how does everything that he has become apply to this? And I loved seeing him kind of go, oh, I understand how to do this. I've changed culture several times. I'll just do this again. I just have to get a handle on where's the key to what I can understand. Mm -hmm. And it's harder than anything he's ever had to do. And then as Misa was saying, it comes back to Pop, where he's like, you know, Pop gave his life for this cause. And he's like, but but I shouldn't have to give my life for it, essentially. Well, really? Mm -hmm. Okay. But he does. If if he hadn't if he
2: hadn't had to follow what or he felt like he needed to do that what do you think he would have done?
1: I think he would have joined the military again. That's what he was aiming for the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Give control back and just go. Yeah, not my deal. And you know,
0: uh, that's the other thing, right? So, what we're it's it's amazing to be able to re- deconstruct and reconstruct how how these books. Could be created because that's not how I started with it, right? When I'm reading it as a kid, I'm just reading every Heinlein book, but um, (laughs) because I liked I liked one, I'm going to read another one and keep reading them and like, wow, these are great. Right? Mm. Uh, sometimes I'm looking, uh, I, I'm holding the thing, is, it must be just these Dell books are great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because they're all <laughs> Dell, right? <Yeah. laughs> so I pick up another Dell and say, well, this one's not so good. Because no. <laughs> it's not got that name on front, right?
1: <laughs> Hold on, something's coming to me. <laughs> but the There's thing another is, name on the ones I like. That's right. But there's
0: this uh, thing where, um, you know, I've read a ton of Philip K. Dick, like just a ton. And so you can see when he's he's just taking from his own life and putting in there in there, and sometimes yes. that's just reading life or listening life. Like Philip K. Dick loved uh, chamber loved chamber music. So whenever he has characters talking about music, he's all they're all, they're not talking about punk or rock or anything like that. They're always talking about chamber music, right? Oh, that's and, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and what particular conductor is? <laughs> He did the recording and like wow that's really weird why would that you know you don't you think of Philip K. Dick you think of you know the trippy 60s and 70s man but he loves chamber music so that's a repeated theme
1: I'm sorry go ahead no
0: I just so like it's something you sort of grow to love in seeing him come up with that again and again I'm not a big chamber music fan but I love that he is and I like
1: thinking of him writing those crazy books while the chamber music is playing in the background. That's right. You know,
0: and, and just being super enthusiastic about it and almost nobody around him would probably care at all. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so seeing this book, now that I know a lot more about Heinlein over, you know, over the years and just thinking of it as an older person, seeing how with Kim he's reconstructing what I see in, in Heinlein's books, over and over and over again, is that his early reading influences his writing, and his yeah. own life influences his writing. And you say, "Well, duh, right?" But <laughs> yeah. it's really obvious. Like so, um, when when uh, Thorby gets on the Susu and he starts training for. Uh, You know, being a supercargo or whatever it is, Uh, oh, hydroponics or whatever. Eventually, he switches into gunnery. Mm -hmm. Guess what Heinlein did when he was in the navy?
3: Oh, Oh, really?
0: Right. So those computers that he's talking about with all the green lights and you know leave your red red lights on, they had firing computers, right? They're they're not they're mechanical computers at the time when he was in the navy, Um, and doing those calculations like wh- what that's exactly what his job was is there's a ship over there you need to hit it before it hits you this is classic you know who sunk my battleship battleship game right yes where
1: that's why those scenes were so vivid and right. was glued to the pages you know right. right yeah
0: and he's he's translated the technology so that they're shooting nukes instead of instead of uh, cannon but it's the same it's the same thing and and the enemy paralyzing beam you know that's not a real technology but uh it the enemy has a uh, their own cannon and your job is p- protect your ship right so right. this is this is exactly um and and you know Heinlein even talking about you know our ships not being old it's not as new as their ships, but we keep it in better condition or whatever. Like that, right. all that esprit de corps of being in the Navy and making it a family and, you know, the command. And and then he does this whole weird thing with it. it was like, okay, we're making it a matriarchy, patriarchy, whatever. <laughs> we'll yeah. figure it out. <laughs> he just has this weird archaic system. That's the other thing he's obsessed with. And this is what I was going to say before I started, you know, checking myself. Wait the other <laughs> okay
1: let is, it go Jesse just yeah, let it go
0: is he's he's obsessed with manners in a way that like no other author is right so all the w- possible ways you can offend somebody um and you know
1: oh yeah it, like and the fact that they don't know why you're why they consider what you're doing is offensive just that no normal decent person would do whatever it is right. you just did
0: like, yeah like and it, uh, sometimes it's it's horrible and officious like with the grandparents saying, uh, you know, basically gaslighting him about whether he's a he's been a slave or not. No, slavery doesn't yeah. exist. Um,
1: oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. Right?
0: I mean, that is, uh, I just heard a, a podcast about slavery in Canada. And you think, well, mm-hmm. there was no slavery in Canada, right? That's that's what we're taught in school that, oh, all we did was, we just, we helped the Underground Railroad. We, yes, you did. Right? You're heroes. We, and know, then, we all know it. Well, yeah, but that, that was 30 years, right, between when it was outlawed in, in Britain and when it was outlawed in, in, in uh, well, not oh, outlawed, no. and the Civil War, basically, right? Uh-huh. Um, hmm. So it's 30 years, but uh, guess what happened in between uh, the American Revolution and the <laughs> British Revo- uh, uh, the Civil War? Well, there was this period where a whole bunch of Americans uh loyalists we call them you call them right. whites, right uh tories. left tories that's right oh sorry yes
1: not i've stars. read oliver wiswell
0: yeah so the tories <laughs> were basically fleeing and being kicked out of uh of what would become the states but they didn't leave their slaves behind they brought them right up, right? We need all our stuff. That's right. Would you throw <laughs> away your slaves? Uh, clearly yeah. not. They're family assets, right?
1: Right. Oh, um, my gosh. And I didn't then, think of that.
0: And then the in Quebec, what would become Quebec, New France, right? They petitioned right. King Louis saying, uh, please uh, allow us to have slaves. Everybody uh, south of us is getting rich <laughs> and we can't afford uh, anything because uh, we have to pay so much for servants. And really, he
1: says, that's, that's fine,
0: but uh, they're probably all going to die because, you know, it's cold up there. It's
1: cold. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? well, we'll take our chances, they say. So there's, uh,
0: the thing oh is, is even in the early 20th century and even today, right, slavery is still a reality.
1: Oh, Libya yeah. In all over the market. world.
0: Libya yeah. today has a slave market, which is crazy. Um, and blackbirding was huge in the early 20th century. Which was, What's
1: blackbirding?
0: So this is when you've got all these fruit plantations all over the Pacific, right? So what they would do is they would go into some community uh, in just north of Australia, basically, and Shanghai slash steel slash whatever, get people on the boat, take them to some remote oh. island, and then keep them in indentured servitude for a period of six years where they don't earn any money and basically you know it's it's slavery except it's not called slavery right right um there's a a movie you might want to check out uh called Nathan hayes which is where i first heard about this it's an action adventure movie set in that period it's it's kind of a ripoff of the uh let's make money from raiders of the lost ark um but it stars tommy lee jones uh as a sort of a yeah he's a he's a blackbirder but no, he becomes the hero, even though he's slave at beginning. Tommy
1: Lee Jones, <laughs> because it's Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> anyways, um, so that that fascinating, um, seeing seeing slavery as, what even what are the the uh, the the people the what do they call themselves? Uh,
2: people. The Sisu. Oh, Sisu is
0: yeah, well, the yeah, ship. Sisu is the ship.
2: Yes. Oh, the Sisu. Oh, oh, they call themselves the.
0: Um, the free traders, I guess. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Su, Su, Suomi.
0: Suomi. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so Suomi, by the way, is the Finnish word for Finnish.
2: Ah, okay. The
0: people. Yeah, the, the people. people. Yeah. So, um, uh, they they are slaves. They're the freest because they. Because nobody can tell them what to do, but they all have to yeah. do what they have to do because they're all yeah. basically in the Navy, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and,
2: but, the, see, but that's, but see, the interesting thing about that is they don't feel like that if they're born into it. Oh. Yeah. They can't uh, see it. Right. Yeah. They, they can't don't see, see it. it. They can't see it. So, for, as far as they, they're concerned, they are completely,
1: you know, free. free. Mm-hmm. They don't know their choices well. And that's like Thorby, right?
2: But Thorby he was the freest because- when
1: he was a slave. Mm-hmm. Right, because he didn't have to think or worry about anything. He just, you know, staying alive was it. Well,
2: he had to put scabs on himself, right? And well,
1: yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that's
0: that. That was the other thing that kind of pissed me off. Like I was, I was getting pissed off at the beginning of the book, thinking, uh oh, Heinlein's sort of going to make slavery look okay. Oh,
2: really? Were you expecting
0: that? Oh, no! It's like, why is he? Why is he saying, you know, slavery isn't that bad? This is the freest he ever was. Well, That's the whole theme, right? That's the whole uh-huh. theme throughout the book. So he develops the thought; it's not just a cast-off. Like, it's very easy to, um, and people do it, right? They say Starship Troopers is supporting fascism. Um, I don't think no, that that's true. It is. I, I think it's it's arguing a lot of different points and making some yeah. very uh, sort of relevant points, especially for in a modern era where you've got all these politicians who. Our chicken hawks, right? They, mm-hmm. They're they never going to go to war. Their children are never going to go to war, but they're very happy to start wars, right? Because it yeah. makes a lot of money for corporations that they own stocks in. So it's, it's a thoughtful book, even though it's a though very, it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm talking about uh, Starship Troopers. Oh, Starship
2: Troopers. And this oh, okay. is
0: the same way. I think it's a thoughtful mm-hmm. book. It doesn't tell you the answers, but it yeah. certainly he, – he's guiding you like a, a teacher would, I guess. In yeah.
1: Starship Troopers has more pointed lectures that you're just yes. sitting there going, okay, I got it. But it makes but you engage I with it, I agree it, right? with you. Yeah. Um, I read so many reviews that, you know, this is fascist, this is this. And I was like, no, he's just telling you, here are the points of view about war – soldiers, all these things, some of these things are necessary, whether you like it or not. So how do you think about it? Here's he's various ways to think That's about it. That's the
0: thing, right? He's yeah. not, he's, he.
1: It was heavy handed, but it was a good book, I thought, you know. Yeah,
0: I'm not, I, don't even that. Th- I don't even think it's that. I mean, if you watch the movie, they really play up the. their paradise they're making a parody of the book, right? Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. weird because you don't, you don't normally make a parody of something that you're adapting. right. Um, but it's, it's interesting because the thing is is at the time you might think oh that makes sense but in the long run the wisdom of Heinlein I think beats the wisdom of that movie that movie saying you know militarism is uh, is, is something worthy, worthy of mockery whereas I think Heinlein said no we gotta take it serious yeah. and, and I think that that's why I was worried at the beginning of this is like this is He's not going to take it seriously. He's just... Because oh. I didn't remember this book that well. I remembered he was a he was a slave at the beginning, but I didn't remember any of these themes about every time he changes jobs, right? Every time he changes <laughs> culture, he's mm-hmm. seeing a new kind of uh, unfreedom and a new kind exactly. of freedom, right?
2: Exactly, yeah. yeah. With, with the real slavery as the underline underneath all of it. Right.
0: And, uh, like, it's a genuine thing, unlike what his grandparents, who uh, he points, you know... Heinlein very.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's <Heinlein. laughs> he
0: Calls them what philosophical pacifists, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, wait, if you just called them pacifists, I I, I would be fine, right? <laughs> I, I consider myself a pacifist until something warlike happens, and then I'm like, "Fuck you! I'm going to beat the shit out of you." Don't do that to me, <laughs>
1: right? That's right, because you're a human being.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. But the thing is, is you know. You know, it's a sort of an, in opposition to militarism is passive. passive yeah. Well, you have pacifism, to defend what's but,
1: well, yeah. the defending what's good. That's yeah. And sometimes that has to happen because otherwise it gets run over, and I think that's what Heinlein's always kind of coming back to. You know. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So
2: that's, the, that's yeah. That's interesting about their grandparents though, um, because they, they're obviously slave to the money. Right. That that. Um, yeah.
0: Yes. It doesn't. That, it's not that obvious. I think though. Right. Because when you said it, I think, I see what you're saying. Right. But I wasn't thinking about that at the time. I, I
2: was thinking, wasn't thinking about that at the time. But but it was through your conversation. I was right. it, like, it struck me that that's what's happening. And then and then I even went just another step further and wondered if they had any idea about what's going on with the ships, because people there knew. People there do know. And and through this, I'm thinking, did the grandparents? No,
1: do they know i don't know i i, I we're not given that we're given we're not we're not i think not, they're meant to just show us that level of society that is so removed from any other reality than their privilege
2: yeah but and they're but, so
1: removed from all of it um
2: i know but are they that are they that dense because
1: because the uncle knows right yeah but i don't think he was going around telling anybody about it he was very sneaky
0: uh, does the uncle know? Cause some,
1: he, he's, he absolutely knows. He's not really
0: an see uncle, now, right?
2: See, we're going to have a disagreement about the ending of the book. Uh oh, <laughs> lay it on me. You so do you, neither of you think that the uncle set up the parents?
0: I oh, think, yeah. he, I think it's absolutely. very possible. I think it's very <laughs> possible. Um, I
2: thought they said it in the book. They, they don't say it. It's never never
0: explicitly stated, but he he, he goes back and forth on it, right?
2: Yeah, he goes back and forth on it.
0: I mean, he is the baddie of the book, if there's one.
1: Yes. Well, and he's willing to do anything, including have Thor be committed or whatever, in order to keep his power. Right. And he's protesting that um, it's because he just cares about him. But we are given enough clues that he doesn't. And the one person who wants to talk to him is uh, fired right away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he clearly has a lot to hide. And I think that it, it seems to me like he did set the parents up. But yeah. do you not think that?
0: No, I think that that's likely. I just don't think it's. it's. <laughs> what about you, Misa?
1: What? Well, there,
2: there's a line that says up. there's that there's one line that says uh, a yacht with three passengers, a crew of eight and no cargo doesn't look like worthwhile pickings for bandits in business for right. profit. Right, they right. generally know what they're doing. Right, right. Um, My- I, I
0: believe this is the the plot of um, what's that movie? Oh uh, yeah, it is. No, it's it's not a movie. It's a Netflix show. Uh, Iron Fist. This is the exact plot of Iron Fist. Um, you guys seen this? Uh-uh. Uh So Iron Fist is this. He's this white guy, and everybody got upset because he's he's white. It should be a, a Chinese person because he goes to China, <laughs> right? And he learns kung fu. Except um How the whole dare point, he? the whole point of the comic book was uh, you know, hey white kids, karate's cool or this his yeah, right. kung fu's cool. Um and then it has lots of Chinese characters who show up on the pages, right? So the original comic book has a white kid, um and uh, they're they're upset because they didn't cast it as an Asian guy. But uh, oh.
3: it makes no of sense. It's, oh, God.
0: You know, political correctness doesn't yeah. matter about facts and, you know, logic. And all. So Danny Rand is a, a, the rich heir who survives his parents' uh, airplane crash. Mm-hmm. Um, the airplane crash is probably caused by an uncle who, <laughs> yeah. you know, isn't that <laughs> interesting? No. I'm listening. Like, oh, I'm listening. Exact, and then when he comes back <laughs> uh, to... Uh, New York to to inherit his estate. He's not really into owning it, but he it it's so strange now that I think about it. This is exactly <laughs> the same plot. Yeah. Obviously, somebody at Marvel read this book and uh, took it in and, and said, "We're going to use that last end." We could do that. Book is the premise for this. That's interesting. Wow. Hmm. Anyways, wow. um, I I think it it's absolutely logical that the uncle did do that. But what I like about this book um, is that Heinlein has a lot of character. Like I like that lawyer character. He he has a lot of lawyer characters. Yeah, in the bad book. lawyer. He obviously the knows, good lawyer. Yeah. The, the good lawyer. The one that oh, not the yeah. judge, but the um yeah. the one. The old cantankerous guy. He, yes,
2: the one that's going to cost gonna you a lot, cost a lot of money. Lot
0: of money. <laughs> is it going to cost you a fortune, right? He always says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that lawyer. But I'm going to have a
1: great time doing it. He's,
0: yeah. He says he says sort of words of wisdom this that come with you know lots of experience it's like talking to a mechanic who's had many jobs you know <laughs> they know they don't know what's going on under there but they know how it could go right, right. and that's that's how i feel about what we're supposed to feel about the end of this book is notice is he going to marry his cousin doesn't say
2: doesn't yeah. You know, but we I can certainly so.
0: think it's 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 they're on the path for it. They're they're on a collision course for that. And yeah, um it's logical given that he's probably gonna be in that job for the rest of his life, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Even
0: though that's not the career he wanted, that's the career that he needs. And that what that's the whole thing. I'm looking at the end of the text here. Um I'll just read it a person can't run out of responsibility can't run out on responsibility a captain can't a chief officer can't but he did not see how if he went on this way he would ever be able to join pop's corps but jim yeah. was right there was a place where the filthy business had to be fought too even if it if he didn't like it this way he had to fight it yes colonel brisby had once said about pop it means being so devoted to freedom that you are willing to give up your own be a beggar or a slave or die that freedom may live. And that, that's why this book is not um, sort of just saying, yeah, you know, you know slavery's not that bad. Because yeah. it's saying, what do you mean by slavery? Um, mm-hmm. Not like the aunts uh, or the uncles or the cousins saying, there is no slavery, it's been outlawed. right? <laughs> but rather,
1: right.
0: Um, you know, slavery is not just a state of mind, it's a state of... Um, uh, of, of being under the whip, being compelled, yes. right? And yeah. right at the beginning what, of the book, What are you I willing to listening? give
1: yourself for all the way? What matters so much? And that's, um, you're making me think, and I'm sorry, but I'm Catholic. You're making me think of Paul, the Apostle Paul, who said over and over, I'm a slave of Christ. Ah.
2: Hmm uh
1: well and and the uncle says nobody owns a business the business owns
2: him you are a slave to it right,
0: right.
3: as
2: well uh-huh. so so there's all those all those
1: uh levels of it and don't forget and that, yeah, and that oh go ahead sorry
0: there's that wisdom from the um anthropologist too who i think is a great character
1: she's, she's great. fantastic yeah
2: isn't she
0: i mean i i yeah. sort of want to read a whole book series <laughs> where she just goes from culture to culture yes me right? too because that is fun stuff and it's kind of um, interesting that all these advisor characters don't, you know, keep... Like, when Baslam was dead, I'm like, he can't be dead. I've I forgotten, forgotten that he... No, he's literally dead, right? We never actually
1: see He's his shortened, forms. Jesse. Yes. Shortened. Yes. I saw him hanging there. I felt the same way as you. I, sent, I went and looked. Yeah. <sighs> his head's there or whatever. He's, he's on a spike,
0: Boom. yeah. So uh, I, I was thinking, like... No, he's got to come back later on. And he does, in a certain sense, right?
1: Right. Yes. His influence yes, and wisdom lives in what he taught Thorby.
0: Right. And, and the other people he influenced, to too. Come back
1: yeah, his too. words. Yeah. At yeah, yeah, the
0: very end of the book, he literally comes back,
1: right? And so does Grandmother, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. That was
2: the, I really love that, because the book is called Citizen. Like, mm. the way he call, is Citizen, and, and and the way he brought three, oh, like so much of the galaxy together, within mm. this kid and, and the situation and did make him a citizen of the galaxy as opposed to a citizen of this planet or that planet or mm-hmm. society. He really was. hmm
0: mm-hmm. And it's interesting, it's almost like like Jabalpur is the capital of the Sargonese nine worlds, right? This, or this is this, Yeah this, this almost this could almost be the South, you know, having won its freedom. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um and this the uh, X Corps is you know, trying to win the Civil War by other means or end slavery by other means, right? Um, but it's also India, right? It's clearly uh, Bombay or, you know, uh-huh. something mm. like that because of the, the palanquins and the, the class. Uh, even that's what the grandparents Right, think, they call say, it
2: caste, yeah. Right?
0: It's a caste, yeah. and it's, a, yeah. it's levels of responsibility.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let
0: me tell you better than you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know. I did love that. Well, and also that's the value of having young people and old people together because you, those clueless old people won't listen. They know better. And his cousin is told three times or however often she finally is like, "Do you mean it?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You can't mean it." And he's like, "I got whips. Uh, I've got scars on my back." And she's. Yeah so she starts to take him seriously so this is also the value of an open mind of not dismissing somebody because they're different
0: How big is this book I mean think of how much happens in the space of the 8 hours of the book it feels like yeah. it's huge right mm-hmm. 300 pages and it's so well Minus. packed with stuff that it it feels breezy right there's not like multiple Character scenes going on at the same time and switching back and forth. It's all one character's point of view all the way mm-hmm. through. But uh, well, there I guess there's a couple of points where we we see things not from Thorby's you know over the shoulder, but a more more narrative just a distance. <laughs> but yeah, but it's really close to just following this kid on his life journey from age four or five to what nineteen or twenty.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, was he that young when when he was uh bought by Baslam, was he four yeah, or he's five years old a while. Something like that yeah. it seemed like he was a little bit older by then well but he, he was... had been he had been through a few like if we if we because i was trying to count it out and she said she said i last saw you when you were three years old or four years old his cousin mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and he had been through several owners before Baslam right so he i don't he wasn't four by then he I was thinking he was probably like six Could or be, so. Yeah. even so we, we never
0: actually get that six. number. But he's definitely no, we don't, young. We don't right? get a number. But um I wanted to point out that there was a really nice thing at the beginning where I was re-listening to it and uh Baslam looks at the boy. Uh let me see if I've got this here. The boy did not look like a docile house servant to Baslam, he looked like a hunted animal. Dirty, skinny, and bruised. Under the dirt, the boy's back showed white scars, streaks, uh, endorsements of former owners. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I guess this is slightly different text because I remember the next line, um, or opinions. I think it says in the in the uh, audiobook. Um, the, the, it, so uh, opinions or endorsements of former owner owners. So. Yeah. Uh, right is this boy can't be taught he's stupid right that's why they whip him right endorsement Mm -hmm. in the sense that Mm -hmm. no this kid he won't learn his lesson now i'm gonna blow your guys mind unless you know this a fact already um sisu means something yeah that's the name of the ship right yeah um so sisu came into popular um popular parlance in north america where heinlein learned about it i'm sure um during the winter war which was a war between the soviet union and finland that lasted Mm. one winter wow and and it's a fascinating war because um i'll just bring it up here because you've got the soviet union which is a huge company uh, country country (laughs) country, right it's not even a country it's an empire in a certain sense right Um, it's an empire of a whole bunch of countries that have been right. taken over by these these communists, and um, you've got. Listen to this. This is the strength. So, um, on the Wikipedia entry, we've got three hundred to three hundred forty thousand Finnish troops versus four hundred and twenty-five to seven hundred sixty thousand. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Soviets. Soviets. Um, but that's just in soldiers, right? Uh, the Soviet Union has 2,500 to 6,500 tanks. Um, the Finnish have 32. 32?
1: 32 tanks. Okay.
0: The Soviets have 3,000...
1: <laughs> Sounds like 000... the Polish versus the Nazis. Oh, my
0: God. This is... Uh, yeah, except it's this very different story. So 3,880 uh, Soviet aircraft versus 114... On the uh, Finnish side, and um, listen to this: total casualties from this war, seventy thousand for the for the um, Finnish, uh, between three hundred twenty and three hundred eighty thousand for the oh. Soviets. Woohoo! Right, but the Go thing Finland. is, this is this was an uh, a war of aggression from the Soviet Union to Finland. They said you need to give us some, some of your territory. Um, and Finland said no. And they can't win. How can they win? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. This is the Soviet Union, which is this... literally like one of the biggest countries in the yeah. world population wise, but also it just has endless resources. You can't
1: This win. is why you always play wow. the game and don't just play the odds.
0: Right, and and the thing is is the Soviet Union won World War Two, right, like we think about how Canada landed on the beach two of the beaches on Normandy you know, and and the British, well, they fought so valiantly That's their
1: story, right? Yes,
0: and, except uh, the American and, Right, and well, and the Canadians and the Americans they're going up Italy and they're taking back uh, fascist Italy Well, anyway. yes, but 27 million Russians died in World War II um, and they definitely beat Germany. I mean, they, they captured Berlin, the capital, and then allowed uh, yes. the rest to come in and you know take little snippets of it. Right? The, they they won the war.
1: Yeah, Hitler would not learn from Napoleon. Not, he they, they didn't win the do war do in it. Japan,
0: but they won the war against Hitler. Hundred percent. Yeah,
1: it was them. Well, they definitely turned the tide. Well, Absolutely. you know,
0: we were there. We were there. We were participating, but we did not. <laughs> Let's just do, move on, Jesse. Uh, the important <laughs> what was your part.
1: Point about the finish.
0: <laughs> well, the important part is the the finish couldn't possibly win this war, and yet they did. They did, you know, they did concede like a lease to the Soviet Union. But this concept of SISU is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to just read the Wikipedia entry for it for you. Sisu is a Finnish concept and cultural construct that is described through a combination of various English terms, including stoic determination, tenacity of purpose, grit, bravery, resilience, and hardiness, and it is held by Finns themselves to express their national character. And the F- wow. Finnish are very strange people, right? They they don't smile when they're on the bus. Uh, they they don't like they don't they're not very. Um, Uh, emotionally open, right? But, Uh um, I'm going to see if I can find the... uh, There it is. Um, Sisu has been described by the New York Times as the word that explains Finland and Finn's (laughs) favorite word, the most wonderful of all their words. And then, and this is during the um, Winter War itself, and what may have been the first use of Sisu in English language on January 8, 1940, Time Magazine reported... The Finns have something they called Sisu. It is a compound of bravado and bravery, of ferocity and tenacity, of the ability to keep fighting after most people would have quit, and to fight with the will to win. The Finns translate Sisu as the Finnish spirit, but it is much more gutful word than that. Last week, the Finns gave the world a good example of Sisu by carrying the war into Russian territory. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's so, amazing.
1: Yeah, so when this book came out, people would have understood more what that name totally, meant. Totally, right? It's never mm-hmm, mentioned yeah.
0: in the book other than that's the name of the ship, and you know right, we get the name of some other ships. But think about how Thorby acts at the end, right? Uh, the, the last chapters of the book are all about, you know, just sign it. Just sign this thing, right? Mm-hmm. And how many of us have been in a situation where we've got this giant document where we have to sign it? Right? It happens all the yeah. time. I mean, that's that's what the internet is now right is is end use license agreements and yes. right. terms of right. service and right all this ridiculous stuff that nobody ever reads because how could they possibly find the time and and
1: you know it's for all best right he's having to educate and, himself and you know, in order to read the document
2: yeah but right. and you know what's cool there though like there there's so that implies all these these interactions with grandmother that yes. we never, we don't know. Like, but he's all, the, the life but, that he had there on that ship is so much richer and thicker oh yes. than we, we were. It is, you know, it easy. is
0: a whole novel or a whole novel series, yeah, hidden, hidden between the you know With, a couple yeah, of paragraphs. Yeah, within
2: just that line. Yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: He has taken this concept on board, right? It's in built into him.
1: Well, mm-hmm. you make me think of part of the book that really impressed me where um, they're bringing him into the family formally. And so they've cut his arm. The blood goes on to it says the steel, um, into
0: the Krause led him the to a steel. spot
1: where all might see, said something loudly and held his arm so that a puddle of blood formed on the deck. The captain stepped on it, rubbed it in with his foot, spoke loudly again, and a cheer went up. Krause said to Thorby in Interlingua, your blood is now in the steel. Our steel is now in your blood, or is in your blood. Thorby had encountered sympathetic magic all his life, and its wild, almost reasonable logic he understood. He felt a burst of pride that he was now part of the ship. Right. So that's exactly what you're talking about, the sisu part of him. Yeah. Which he also, of course, was. Um, Baslem started teaching him that. But this is the continuing part of his education is being part of this group of people and seeing how this li- is lived out.
0: But but the, the, it's almost uh, he, they teach the different lessons. Though, because um, what what um, Baslam's like, I was thinking, why is this guy buying that guy? Like I didn't, until I'm deep in the book, why is he buying him? Yeah. And I'm thinking, why is he like? Do you guys know the answer?
2: Uh, I I thought he was rescuing him. And and that's what I thought. And and well, plus it, for some,
0: he, he's rescuing all he, slaves though by doing the normal slaves, job, right? He so he why is
2: he unmutated Earth ancestry? I don't know if that has anything to do with why he chose him.
1: Um, I just thought he yeah had sympathy, yeah.
0: So I, this, I think there's you know, at the least individual. Two, I think there's at least two reasons. One is yeah, he's there because he needs an assistant, right, uh, to help him do his job. Um,
2: would you think he was going to those auctions all the time, looking for somebody I, that he could-
0: I assume that he just went to this one the first time, and he and he, he bought the, you know, like th- there are at least two. Uh, there's at least there's many other lots, right? We don't see all of them, but there's a pair of twins, right?
2: Yes, uh, which yes, which would be a lot more
0: work than, than one kid, <laughs> right? Um, but the the fact that he's got whip marks on his back, um, makes Baslam think that this is and the fact that he's cheap right (laughs) that's too and that's the weird part about it right is that this is he is literally buying a slave and then there's this whole strange sequence where um, he threatens to uh, manumit him right Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the boy's like don't manumit me pop right Mm -hmm. and that's like
1: well that's weird that's because then he's not family yeah I mean as the boy understands it uh,
0: the relationship is So, what's so fascinating is this is actually, um, this is actually, I was thinking, this is something that Heinlein never actually did. You know, Heinlein and his wife, uh, he had a couple wives, but Virginia Heinlein Hmm. never bore any children, right? Mm -hmm. They wanted children, apparently, I I believe, based on um, past researches and my own memory, that they looked into uh, fertility treatments but you know mm. fertility treatments in a period of that <laughs>
1: time yeah. they just
0: were right. not great right didn't they didn't take a
1: warm work. bath
0: that's right
1: yeah <laughs> right.
0: They, basically Relax. The, all they could do is practice they couldn't actually right. produce and it's something they never did was adopt a kid but then i was thinking like this is, as i realized this is got to be a juvenile novel all these books these these juvenile books are sort of expressing that longing to have a kid, to teach a kid, and so, it's like, who is Heinlein in this book? Obviously, he's the old man. He's always the old man. But <laughs> uh, he's also the... He, and this is something that comes up in his books again and again, too, is that he also has sort of really interesting transgender sort of issues going on in a lot of his books, like uh the most obvious one is uh, I will fear no evil war he literally has an old man uh, put into the body of a young girl who starts off as a heterosexual man and ends up as a heterosexual woman and that's pretty strange right um he he, he talks about uh, a lot of
1: he was a very free sexual thinker though he so. was <laughs> yeah. and
0: that's the thing is is you know this Missouri uh, military guy does not fit the <laughs> what you would expect from some you know pre-world War two m- Missouri military guy he's absolutely a, a free thinker um, and and it's fascinating because he never had l- his own children. He was a child himself but so many children like me think of Heinlein as this wise <laughs> guy who's teaching us stuff right and when paul uh, i don't know if you heard it myself but i did, we did a show on glory road even though I, dropped did out. It. Yes, I did hear
2: yes i did okay it. and i
0: went into this half hour rant about how <laughs> absolutely you cannot say that paul Heinlein should be handed out to everybody uh, yep. yes he's problematic right but yep. oh so valuable and and i just think of how what so much affection that is thrown on thorby um mm-hmm he would have loved to have had a kid, right? He would have been a great dad, even if he sort of screwed him up in certain ways with his <laughs> weird ideas, right? He would have been a yeah, great father. Yeah, this is an
1: expression of that you're saying, and which yes. I could see.
0: Yeah, it's a loving, uh, like, like it's, like, thinking of of the early scenes where you've got this boy who's just been purchased as a slave. Some of the slaves are obviously purchased, even in this 1950s book, Purchased for sexual purposes right mm-hmm.
1: even Between in this the, book at well the that's beginning. yeah commonly like, known about slavery so you know right, why would right. you do that well yeah.
0: you know it's 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 commonly known i guess by adults but it's well yeah right anyway anyways we've got this scene early on where the boy goes into the old man's bed and i'm like this could be creepy right and i'm like yeah oh, i got my defenses up and really? and you know what it's not creepy at all
2: it wasn't it's yeah I, I, a
0: father being exactly. kind. He has no wife, right? This is the right. he has to be mother and father to the boy, mm-hmm. and he's got a job to do. And yet, I think this is really a touching book as well as a uh, um a, a great enjoyable book.
2: It right, is, it's, it's very
0: maternal. I mean, for a, a dude, it's very maternal, right? And I.
1: I think that's part of his motivation in rescuing Thorby because, of course, we need this to get the story going. But the other thing is that Baslam has to be allowed to have feelings too, and this is what he's fighting. Is for no more children to be like Thorby, which is what Thorby's fighting for. By the end, he's you know he stops and thinks of all the little tiny Thorbys all over the place, that are huddled up, scared, lonely, crying, mm-hmm. hungry, and but that's Baslam already knows that, and he looks and he takes, you know, the most abused, troublemaking-looking kid who's obviously lost and like an animal, and he rescues him because that's why he's doing the big picture. And if you don't have a personal view, you turn into the uncle. The uncle doesn't care about any of that. The uncle cares about big business. If he was made to be a slave or go live with the slaves or something for a while, he would understand it personally. And I think Heinlein is really good at saying big picture is philosophy, <laughs> philosophy. philosophical things are fine, but we can't forget the individual. That's why any of it matters. And that's Baslem and Thorby. And I, so I think it's, it's valid to think he uses him as an assistant later but nobody could look at that kid and go i need an assistant i'll start with him
3: mm.
1: you'd start yeah. with somebody else so um i think he it works out later to be more than he thinks when he finds yeah. out the kid is smarter I, that, and everything
2: that's how i felt too he because he he could never it was only it was a circumstance that this kid was being thrown away essentially right. and he he could it's cuz he could
1: right he could afford this kid, yeah. It's ba- interesting
0: barely. to think about, you know, the what. So the parents are dead. We assume we never told definitively. You know, here are their skeletons, right?
2: Well, except in his memory. Oh,
0: uh, we well, see
2: them get killed. We saw him get sto- stolen. Maybe we didn't. Mm-hmm. No,
0: we all we don't really know what happened to the parents. They're presumably they're dead. Yeah. Um, mm. um, there's no sequel, so.
2: <laughs> right. I was looking after I They're finished. They're dead by the, now. I was looking for a sequel.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. That's what I love about Heinlein is he never does sequels, right? He does share <laughs> yeah. worlds. He has repeat characters, but. Yeah, he's smart. He doesn't need to yeah. make a sequel. We make the sequel in our own heads by reading the next mm. book, right? Yeah. And so. Um. It's interesting to think of though, was Thorby's escape, um, sort of, uh, and the if if the Uncle quote unquote uncle is the undoing mm-hmm. of uh, Thorby's family right having them raided by the pirates or raiders or whatever slavers mm-hmm. um, and then they they kill the parents and say now let's sell the kid he's worth money right
1: <laughs> yeah they're he, on their own at that point right he,
0: yeah. he manages to escape the, um, the the death of his parents and come back and and sort of undo everything that went wrong. Uh, or that is going wrong by his company and it's it's fascinating to see um, all the little details in this book that are just giant stories that we build ourselves so on on board the um, ship there's this uh, when he's with the military there's okay. a uh, what's this? He's got a name like Loquacious or something. Um, <laughs> oh, Voluble. <laughs> you know, he's got a na- sound yep. name because yeah. he talks too much. Um, and then that that relationship, that's sort of the standard Heinlein asshole character that he throws oh, at people.
3: Yeah.
0: Right. But there's also, um, think of early on when Thorby is hanging out, running around town. I think of it as Bombay. Um, and he, he, his father says, where'd you get that scarf? And he says, oh, I yeah. inherited it. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which yeah. is the thing you say when you stole it. You're a it. dumb
1: kid and you're stuck. Yeah. Right. And,
0: and then he gets out the papers and threatens to, uh.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, set him free.
0: Set him free. No, Bob, don't do it. So, mm-hmm. um, that, that lesson about, you know, don't do that because X, Y, and Z is going to happen. Is not really um, it's not something that pays off intellectually anywhere later in the book, but it's paralleled by so many lessons that come through. Like, so I was thinking, there's uh, a lot of scenes that aren't with Thorby are with the officers trying to figure out how to get (laughs) his identity right Mm -hmm. through the machine, and then we've got a Krishnamurti doctor and a uh, was the second officer, who they come up with a plan to enlist the boy, so that they yes, can run that it. Yes, that was a right. great
2: sequence. I, I was, liked that too. Right, that and
0: really good. I'm sure that this actually happened when Heinlein's in the military, right? So you've got all these this chain of command, and you've got all these systems in place, and it's very inefficient. But yeah. the job of good officers is to make it happen, anyways, right? But, Right, when they're not literally in battle, their job is to battle the paperwork, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I thought that those kinds of lessons do pay off ultimately. All like oftentimes I feel from those lectures in Heinlein books where, you know, he's just lecturing people about morality. Yeah. I'm like, nah, no, it doesn't work for me. Those things always make me cringe and go, why Heinlein, why? But here I think they all add up so that at the end we've got no particular answer given as to what's going to happen. Is he going to j- finish and join the x score Clearly not, in my mind. And yet it doesn't uh-uh. say that, right? Mm-hmm. But we all know the answer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because we've been taught. How, uh, what, we're going to have to wait and see, and we're going to do our best, and we're not going to uh, let the bastards grind us down or whatever phrase you want to use, right?
1: Right, so, because yeah. he's... he's and that that scene that you mentioned is one I've always loved where he says, oh, really? Because he's trying to protect the kid, but he's also showing him when he's talking about the scarf he's stolen. Uh, but he's also – and he's been stealing from the bowl, the beggar's bowl. Right, right, right. So it's not only yeah. here are the bad habits that are not going to be good for you and you're going to get punished and awful things will happen. But it's here are the ripples that everything you do affects somebody else who's close to you. Mm-hmm. It's never just about you. And that's not spelled out anywhere. He uses it clearly as a way to make Thorby think about what he's doing and care. But it's a true story that we see expanded upon with every new level that he hits. Mm -hmm. And so that's also a seed that's planted there that's then very gently developed by the end. And so... I just think Heinlein is more subtle here than he is in his other books while still being – giving us a more complex story than the juveniles have. And that's, I think, why it's just like the fulcrum, the bridge between the full-out adult with the lecturing and stuff and then the other – it's not that I don't like some of the other ones. It's just – I just like what he did here so much in this book.
0: And another Uh, character I was thinking we can't go without talking about is Mother Schaum. Remember this lady <laughs> early in the book
1: in the brothel? Yes, where she's helping. Is she a brothel care. owner? Which wait, wait, wait? Which one was she? Oh, wait, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong one. So is she's
0: she's the, uh, she's the one who hides Thorby. She's
2: the one that hides him. And okay, yeah, is he Right? Uh, yeah,
0: uh,
1: yeah. Isn't it? Is she a brothel owner? I do. Oh, I think so. Wow, that was <laughs> my impression. That. No, that makes sense that's that why so sense. many officers were coming and they were getting drinks but krausa comes but he just right has
0: right to right an eye the men
1: yeah. okay
0: yeah i was thinking of her as a parallel to a character who's in kim which i guess she is but i don't think that that one was a brothel owner but it makes sense um, I could be wrong I- no no you might be right um i just think of how uh, that's a really interesting relationship she he doesn't have a mother on, on Jubalpur, right? Mm-hmm. He never yeah. really has a mother until he gets to be one of the people. I guess it's the only time he has a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there he has a couple. One is the anthropologist, which is not really his mother, just more of an advisor. But then he literally has a mother. And then there's the grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the mother on the on Captain Krause's wife, we don't see a lot of her on stage but she writes a, lot, a nice note at the end I think. Yes,
2: yes she does and, and she doesn't want sense. to give him up
0: yeah and we get a sense mm-hmm. that they I mean he doesn't live in their home right, well he doesn't right. sleep under in their room but they're all in the same ship um, so I guess it's it's one big strange family.
1: <laughs> well, but the fact that she's fighting so hard to keep him and eventually she's saying, I just can't give him up. I can't give him up to one of those fracky. And doesn't Captain Krause say he is a fracky? And she's like, mm. no, he isn't. Just yeah. shut up. Mm-hmm. And so that's more of the behind the scenes development where just by doing that we're instantly invested with a deeper relationship. Mm-hmm. That and then the note followed yeah. up by the nice note. So he's doing a lot without telling it to us, which is unusual for him, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. I, I think that's why I like the juveniles so much is because they, mm-hmm. they don't preach as much as yeah. they indicate. Um, and I just think it's also really cool that that even though, honestly, the people, the um, the... Crew of the Sisu and and the other uh, Finnish Finnish fleet of Viking trading ships. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, they're super <laughs> rich, right? They all eat rich food. They sleep on soft yeah. beds, but they, you know, the spending money that they have uh, to get whatever things on shore really doesn't give them anything of sub- a substance. Um, and then they have these these meetings where they almost have a potlatch style getting rid of their stuff.
2: Yeah, yes. We're going to get so
0: much prestige from this. Oh, my God. From taking on Thorby, uh, Baslam's son, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. We're going to be so prestigious. And then when it comes to, you know, dividing and making a new ship, all of that culture is amazing and
3: cool. Mm -hmm.
0: And yet they're racists, right? (laughs) They hate everybody who isn't yeah. them. And when you think about, like, oh, that's not good. But on the other hand, seeing it inside, it's okay. And then seeing it from the from the um, anthropologist's point of view, saying, you know, this is how their culture works. Here's a chart. Um, and then uh, Thorby gives us that view in and out. And mm-hmm. Krause, who actually does, you know, have to deal with. There's that whole sequence where they eat the soup that's
1: that
0: they can't actually
1: eat. <laughs> yeah. Right, just it's touch the spoon to your mouth. So
0: good. This is real science fiction. Even though mm-hmm. almost yeah. nothing in it has any science, other than you know there's rocket <laughs> ships and stars, right? It's it's sort of sociological, anthropological yes. science fiction. Yes. And how can you not say that science, right? Because well, and when he's I discovered creating that, worlds,
1: yeah, and when you're saying they're so racist, and I was thinking of when I, at some point, doesn't he say their name means the people essentially? Right. Yes, and all I, all that made me do is think of how many Indian tribes their name means the people, sure. or you know the Mongolians, yeah. or all these different groups of people their name means the people. We're the ones who are the people, right. and then there's everybody else, and I'm like, so yeah, just in that it's. It's any group's nature to go, we all understand each other.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Like and we're so- a very small group right now, the people about this book or about yeah. the books that we talk about on this podcast. Sure. SFF Audio is the people for that because we get each other. <laughs> it, well, it crosses all kinds of other lines yeah.
3: Yeah. that we might
1: not agree on. Yeah. But right here, this is our little spaceship. and <laughs> so. But we are yeah. all fracky to each other. Yeah. Yes. So we're—it's like the trading ground, I guess. But <laughs> we're, we're at the gather. We are at the gathering. Yeah, I'm gonna lay out my stuff here
0: on this graph.
1: Yeah, and so that's why I looked at it and I was like, oh yeah, you're right. They are racist, but only in the way that every group of any people has to say, here's who understands us and here's who doesn't understand us, you know. And yes, they totally look down on it. And Fracky is totally a horrible word and all this stuff, but. Again, that's, you know, like you say, it's being used for admirable purposes. And because it's explained so well, yeah, we don't, you know, that's to help Thorby and us not take it so personally and so, just go, oh, but, here's but, what they're but, like. But what's amazing about them is the, the
2: their ability to, to turn Fracky off, like to just flip it around and say, now you are not. <laughs> yeah. You're no longer Fracky. You are now people.
0: Well, remember, there's that one kid. Mm-hmm. who,
1: Except doesn't. for the
2: one kid, but he's totally admonished immediately. Yes, yes. He's it, they don't stand for it,
1: and uh, mm-hmm. you know, which is like peoples in the military.
0: Slavery um, was in North America before the um, Europeans came. Uh, the people here, oh, yeah. practiced slavery, and one of the one of the things that yeah. would happen is generally is you know you would raid raid neighboring communities, steal their women, sometimes their children, women and children, and take them home with you and make them your slaves. But they also had a path to becoming you know one of the group and mm-hmm. then they are no yeah. longer slaves they yeah. can get as much status as anybody else and that's pretty interesting because um, con- that's not you know the chattel slavery that we see at the beginning of this book um, and it's not the chattel slavery that was operating in the United States and Canada right that is a, a different kind of Path, and that's actually even like the more humane path that we always think of the Romans as just evil slavers, and they were—they were really evil slavers. But, um, but they I had that
1: same path into citizenship. They—they
0: they, they sometimes did. It was—it's very interesting because that—that uh, that was always the hope that was held out. But we also only see the you know the winners of that, and there was a hell yeah. of a lot of losers. But
1: I also um, heard that in our time episode. It was fascinating. Right.
0: right. It, <laughs> that is a good episode. That <laughs> show is great. Um, yeah, anyways, I think oh, I was good. I was go just, just going to say that the um, the the path to citizenship is is a good thing. But if you uh, I'm, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I interrupted
0: uh, it, you. I'm it sorry. went off a cliff and into a tunnel and it, well, it might
1: come out. Well, it's only recently through listening to things like In Our Time or reading various other history books that I realized that the way America practiced slavery was very – it was not really – it was so harsh. I mean, we knew it was harsh, but it was so much harsher than a lot of the more traditional ways of practicing it, the way that the Indians did in America Mm -hmm. or the way that the Romans or whoever did. I mean, and there were always varying levels of – harshness or gentleness but um that this was consistently that way because of the business model because of you know the way they were gathering people or stealing people whatever they were you know the horrible everything awful about it but um because when i was able to look at that i knew that slavery had existed throughout history but then i kind of was able to kind of go oh I understand, you know, I don't like it, of course, but the fact that it's lasted throughout time, and it seems to be a natural thing. But the fact that it's been practiced in different ways means that that then expresses the culture of the people on both sides, you know, who will and won't accept it, who practices it more gently. And there's nothing gentle about it ever. But um, the fact that it was in more modern times that it started becoming really extremely brutal just kind of made me look at history a little differently, a little more in a new, more nuanced way. And that's kind of what Heinlein is doing, not mm-hmm. by excusing it ever, mm-hmm. but just by examining all the different ways, as you both have pointed out, of freedom and slavery and um, what it accomplishes, what it doesn't, you know? Yeah,
0: there's nobody more anti-slavery <laughs> than Heinlein. That's the thats the funny thing is we start off with mm-hmm. a slave auction and we yeah. see this kid getting purchased and like, oh, that's, that's not, that's problematic. Right. Yeah. But 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 the whole the whole story really is not even Thorby's story. It's just Baslam's fight to stop slavery. <laughs> yeah, right. It is. It continually
1: yeah. comes back. Yeah. And
0: he he's the ghost that haunts the whole book. And mm-hmm. and it haunts the military. It haunts the uh, the free people. It it um it it comes to haunt the uh, red red red. What are they called? uh Redbeck Redbeck of Red, Redbeck, yeah. of Redbeck the whole Redbecks which is a a whole other issue of um of a giant evil <laughs> empire state corporation <laughs> run by yeah. a family of blah blah blahs whatever um i i remembered what i was going to say about um slavery and what's interesting is that slavery there's an interesting theory about why slavery is actually a good thing and obviously this is not a Good way to stop it, but um, slavery is preferable to alternative uh, things that happen in war. So when um, Julius Caesar goes into France and uh, starts seizing Gaul, Gaulish uh, tribes, right, he's making tons of money by selling the captives. The alternative is to let them go, in which they'll rebel again, or to kill them. And he did a lot of killing. He definitely Mm -hmm. did a lot of killing. But it seems like um, slavery may have developed as a sort of a a nicer way to deal with war. You've got these these people, like the traditional slavery, not modern chattel slavery or prison industrial complex slavery, but the original slavery where you and another tribe are at war. You go in there. You either have to kill those people because they'll come back and attack you for killing your your friends or you have to take them. And you take them in and you make them a part of your community and, yeah, you exploit them and you're mean to them and you you treat them as property. But eventually they can become part of your system and your, your life in a way that's a lot less about racism and a lot more about, like, you, you, your family hurt my family, and mm-hmm. and then of course what happens is that people actually start doing wars for slaves, right? So we need to increase the economy. We want to get ourselves richer. Let's go get those folks, right? Go. Which get is a strangers. whole other thing, right? And so the consequences of of maybe a a, a pleasant alternative to. Um, to genocide is slavery.
2: Let's let's work on the word pleasant.
0: Yeah, well, a, a prefer preferable, <laughs> okay. right? I mean, the thing is, is uh, uh, there were a lot of efforts to try when slavery is abolished in the United States to get the Africans out of the United States, right? Get them right. out, send them back to Africa. A lot of Africans wanted to get out and go back to Africa, right? It and it happened for some, um, but. Integration was was ha- hated by um, a lot of white folks who mm-hmm. didn't like that. I, they wanted to keep it separate, and that's. Well, I-
1: Yeah. Also, though, part of that idea was, and and that's mixed up too, because some people are like, yes, and they can go. But the other part was by people going, you've had such a crappy time here. Wouldn't you be happier back in Africa where you can have your own country and run it yourself? And because Harriet Beecher Stowe, originally, that's, you know, the ending of her um, George Harris and his wife and everything. They're going to Liberia and they're going to have a new life. Mm -hmm. And then later she wrote, a letter of apology and put it in the back and said, I've heard from a lot of people that, you know, that's not what they'd like to do. They'd just like to stay here. And I'm sorry that I kind of pushed that so hard. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a great Mm -hmm. idea and meant it generously. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, you've got the mixed idea of, but you know, but this was people's homes too. So there's that. Even
0: uh, Lincoln was pushing that. Yeah. He he was pushing for...
1: Yeah, because he just couldn't see how integration could work. Because he's just like, you know, there's something so obvious that you can't meld in. Um, anyway.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a serious problem. Heinlein manages to somehow write a book about slavery that isn't about American slavery, right? Yeah, it's and, great. I mean, uh, and and it makes you think in a completely different way. It's. I mean, this is exactly why, Paul, I hope you're listening, why everyone (laughs) should be reading Heinlein, regardless of age, regardless of century, because, uh, I mean, really, think about it. Why do they need slaves in this book? They don't really need slaves. I mean, to carry their palanquins around? Come on. I mean, that's ridiculous.
1: We all that's need not really
0: people, what it's for, right? right? On they, that they, they're living in the future, they've got stars that are inside their Yeah,
3: there's
1: starships, starships coming there right? to drop the literal off starships, to, right? Yeah. They can <laughs> so have they robots. don't
0: need robot. I mean, that's the thing. It, it, well, it's it's it's, a, this is a book about a, a concept in an anthropology, not not yeah. technology.
1: Well, the other thing uh, there, there's another main message in here that um, is spelled out a bit, and it's. Told to Thorby by the anthropologist, where he's like, I don't really like the way the people are handling some of these things. It doesn't seem very just because they're mm. tied down by their system. And, um you know, she's saying, you know, from an anthropologist's point of view, justice is a search for workable customs. Mm. And Thorby mm. says, My father, my other father, I mean, Baslam the cripple, used to say the way to find justice. Is to deal fairly with other people and not worry about how they deal with you. Yeah, she I says, tweeted, "Doesn't that fit I what that, I just you. said? Yeah. Huh? yeah, I
0: tweeted that at you guys. That yeah, was okay.
1: Yeah. Sorry, man. I you know how. No, no. Thinking. I it's but good it's that thing. Up. Yeah, it's that thing that um I read that and was like, you know. <laughs> Right now, we need that message more than ever across the board. If people quit taking everything so personally and just went, I am acting the best way I know how to, to be fair with other people, I can't worry about you. You know, I can't worry about what you're saying about me, about all these other things. You know, I think that would calm things down a lot. But of course, that's difficult to do.
0: I know oh, we've got some. I'm just looking for justice in the in the book. The judges, remember, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're justices, yes. right? The judge came out, and the clerk intoned in an ancient promise of justice: "Draw nigh, and ye shall be heard." <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, but but did you notice justice is only served if you have a lot of witnesses? And
0: yes, yes, mm-hmm. as long as the um, right, you can trust him uh, when his own ass is on the line, right? Now right. you're not. Oh, by the way, what did you make of uh, uh, the uncle's daughter being named Leda,
1: L-E-D-A? Oh, like the swan?
0: Yeah, like what is oh. it, does that mean, anything
1: in this context? Considering well, what he did with the ship's name, probably, but I didn't probably, think about yeah, it. I
0: can't think of I what it is. didn't think
1: of it either. Wasn't Bruder, she carried away by Zeus or something? Like so many uh, were.
0: Yeah, she's she's the um, one. Zeus is... is up in he, the sky. he comes down
1: as a swan, maybe. yeah, and he sees yeah.
0: he sees the beautiful Leda in the water and comes down and tricks yeah. her into having sex or raping her yeah. with uh, his swan body. Um,
2: well, and there, there's also the ugly duckling story who transforms oh. into a swan.
1: Hey, oh, that's kind of this true. story, isn't it? There I like go. that. That's very the, nice. Much better connection. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I like Interesting. it. Interesting, because um, he is the
0: ugly duckling at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. is, uh, and so is so um, is Baslam. Yes. Right. Um, r- missing leg, missing eye, <laughs> and that's another theme. I
2: Only noticed. on the surface.
0: Right. Right. right, but he's 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 pure of heart.
2: Hmm. What were you going to say, son? Oh, I was going to say, but, uh, uh, there's something came up in my head through you. You at one point you talked about the ending of the book, and you were talking about mothers and fathers, and it struck me that. Um, the the book kind of ends with with Thor. How many fathers has he had in this right. book? Right. And it ends with him picking up another father, who takes him fishing. Right? Oh, the lawyer. yeah. Right. So it's sort it circles all the way around to because you said how does it end? Well, it, mm-hmm. that, as from when you said that, I thought it ends with him in it. This is his family now. It, it was not Lita. Which, well, he might marry her or not, but he has mm-hmm. taken this man mm-hmm. to right. To, who who is just in in a way that Basim was just you know like taking on taking on the the evil corporations type
0: yeah I, I'm pretty sure Heinlein knew a lawyer that he really liked because <laughs> that comes up. I mean he wrote a whole book about about that which is uh, Stranger in a Strange Land right yeah and, uh-huh. and I mean it's not a great book in my estimation it's got good things in it but um, he is great fondness for for one particular kind of lawyer. And they're, they're the kind of lawyer, and they do exist that um, they use the law as a weapon to get justice, right? Um, yeah, And they wear the suit in court, but that's when they wear it, right? It's not because they want the degrees on the wall and the prestige, and yeah, they'll take the money. That's good. But the real thing is to is to use the weapon of the law right. to get justice. And that's mm-hmm. I mean, obviously not the majority of lawyers and not the majority of anybody. But um, he's encountering something like that somewhere and, and just thinking it's a, another wonderful person to, uh, to to show and showcase.
1: Right. Well, and that, but Misa, I hadn't really thought about how fatherly he is to him. And you're right, because, yep. of course, the last thing is him coming back and going, you can't solve it all tonight. Let's yeah. go. We're going to have dinner. We're going to look at some pretty girls. We're going to mm-hmm. do whatever. And um, that kind of also takes us back to Kim, Mm -hmm. where um, the llama has found the um, river, right? But his job now, or his you know pleasure and his job is the truth is to show Kim and take care of Kim, also as Kim takes care of him. So it's the same tiny family. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Yeah, amazing.
3: I like it. Mm -hmm. Like a
1: book.
0: Yeah.
2: Good. I'm glad.
0: Hard to get a good hard to get a good book. Here's one.
2: Yeah, <laughs> books are hard to find. Who said that?
1: Yeah, good stories hard Sounds to familiar. find. Familiar. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're pretty well, up on you. high up in the episodes. I guess we found a lot of good stories, but you oh, know, yeah. Anyway, well, we did uh, an hour and a half
0: or so. Yep, yeah. pretty good. <laughs> This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. I've been trying to find some new Donald Westlake audiobooks, and there's just none. They, they're not really. I hate when people die, then the estate just sort of shits all over itself and doesn't do
1: anything. Right, they just stop.
0: Right, so uh, try and find a, a new Heinlein book in the store. You, you'll find a couple of reprints, uh, maybe, if you're lucky. Because um, mm-hmm. Virginia Heinlein, you know, gave it to a trust. And now it's like, oh, you could do yeah. it way better than this, right? Anybody right. Anybody who had an actual interest, not a business interest, but an actual interest, right. could totally market this stuff. Right. Uh, and... So, um, I was but it's like, not
1: new, so they don't care. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's just you know when when you do that, what happens is I think it's like they they manage. It's I guess kind of like the end of this book when they manage so much stuff that they can't actually care about mm. any individual detail, like uh-huh. whether mm-hmm. one book is more deserving than another, uh, or like you know they just can't they can't profit in areas where where. Um, there's lots of profit because they only take the top. Um, they don't develop the profit. They just they say, oh well, wait, we'll sit on this. We have lots of assets, and when somebody comes, we we can uh, sit back and not afford to take the, you know,
1: because they don't love it. Um, they don't. Love that's it. like that's like I was able to get you know a long time ago permission to read that Rumor Garden book that mm-hmm. there's no audio book of mm-hmm. because. The daughter is still associated sure. with the estate, and they passed it to her. And she went, "Yes, if we do one, you'll take yours off the market." And I went, "Oh my gosh, yes." Yeah. Oh, you know. So I was able to do China Court, and so you haven't
0: had to take it off the market, had you?
1: No, because they're not going to do it. Yeah, you know? not.
0: it's it's crazy, right?
1: Yeah. Huh. And um, it's surprising what you can get permission for, like the oh gosh, what now? Why can't I remember the name of it? But that China, the one Barry Hughart one. Well, the problem is alive. finding
0: a person, right? It's it's you have well, yeah, it to actually be a human there. Yeah. Rather than and a, a corporation. That.
1: So I got a friend to do it. So then I was able to read, you know, the the um, number 10 ox and Master Lee books.
2: Mm-hmm. Mount- so you're just making your own audio. To do audio podcasts? Yeah, um, Forgotten Classics. You know? Yeah. No, that's what I'm at, Yeah?
0: Yeah, it's a mix. Right? Yeah, so got and I'm LibriVox less active at it. Huh? Yeah. You've got LibriVox stuff on there, though, too, right?
1: <laughs> right, yeah, because... Like when you, I, but when you don't find it. Well, yeah, exactly, because I got to the point where I was like, well, I really like this story, but librivox is, is pretty good, and I don't need to read all of it, and hmm. um, I got busy. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, crazy, right? So I was like, so now what I do is I'll do a LibriVox book, and while the LibriVox book is going, I'll try to make myself record stuff ahead of time for something that there isn't audio for. Right. Then I'll put that up in between. And people haven't really complained about it, so, you know.
0: I'm just uh, trying to see how many times the word free comes up in this book. So many. Yeah, page 131. (laughs) This is actually looking like a pretty good um, OCR. Sometimes it's not so good. Oh, internal error. Okay. One more time. Edit, copy, control A, control V. Yep, there's the end. So, oh, another error. Wow, weird.
1: Okay. Go up to the top. Well, while Jesse's right. doing his OCR, I just want to say that our family is having a summer of Bollywood.
2: Oh, how super
1: fun! It is so entertaining. Well, are you summer? watching or are you dancing? Oh, yeah, no, or? we're watching and it is so, huh? What? I said, are you dancing or cooking?
3: <laughs>
1: oh, my husband and I now across a crowded room, I can make a couple of hand movements and he'll <laughs> different ones back to me because I'm like, I don't care about learning regular dancing, but I would love to have a Bollywood <laughs> class where because one of the standard things, and you guys may already know this, is you know, like a guy is wooing a girl or something. And so there's a whole chorus of men behind the male star. and They're all dancing at the lady with their message. And then she's dancing back at them with all her ladies. And it's just the most amazing, amazing pageantry. And then they'll break away and dance together and then back to the chorus. And so um, I'm like, I would like to do that. Will you dance at me and I'll dance at you? We'll do these moves. And so we were just laughing over it. You need a chorus uh, now. Yeah, well, I could, we'll just do the single part. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> anyway, it's just amazingly entertaining, and w- it happened because we watched an Indian uh, programmer who Tom was working with. First, he recommended *Slumdog Millionaire*, and we're like, "Really? That's not really Bollywood." He, but he said it's so good, you know. We went, so good. We've yeah. seen, seen it before? twice, huh? Had you not seen it before? Oh no, we had seen it, but oh. he said. My husband's going so Indian movies and he goes, Oh, you should see Slumdog Dog like Millionaire. My husband's like, Wait, you know that was a Danny Boyle and and he's like, It is so good, you know. And, and he's in Mumbai or somewhere, right? So anyway, he um, then said, Oh, Bahu Bali. It's in two pieces, but, you know, and so those two pieces add up to like five hours, but they're the most amazing, epic, historical, mythical pageantry ever. And by the time we got done watching the second part, we were like, where can we find more of this? And that was evidently Tollywood, which is southern India. Bollywood is different, but Uh it kind of led us into that little, you know, stream of movies. So many, uh, so many new
0: Netflix shows uh, some uh, some from India you know it's like mm-hmm. it, 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 there's there's literally way too many shows for anyone to watch on, oh, on no. Netflix yeah I don't think like how could every- it, there can't be one person improving all of these things right because right. there just wouldn't be any time um, yeah. and and that's really I think that's gonna really change things for people around the world because most people you know we used to have the video store and you could go in there and there would be the international section. Right, right, yeah. But that's uh, you know, you're gonna waste your money on that. Now it's not a waste, right? You can just happen into something because you're paid for the whole service. There's gonna, I think, I mean, I'm not a, uh, I don't, I don't know how far I want to go with this, but um, I'm not much of a patriot. You know, they just had the American celebration, the Canadian celebration recently. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm, I think nationalism is really scary and patriotism is usually based on sort of a ignorance of, of all the sins that you're not <laughs> celebrating and so i i mean that's one really interesting effect that i wouldn't have predicted from netflix being you know a mm-hmm. phenomenon all the that,
1: k-pop stuff yeah and that
0: we're, the... gonna, we're actually gonna be able to see uh, other people as not wholly strangers
1: mm-hmm. because
0: they're on the same channel well, in a certain
1: sense yeah yeah and i'm fine with patriotism because like most things if you don't take it to extremes it's a good thing but um you know anything can be taken to extremes and become bad but the thing is and also i'm just like i look at this and go i have a neighbor who looks like that i can't watch anything russian without going all these people look american to me Mm. um that kind of thing but um What you're saying is true, and it just opens up these new worlds of entertainment where you go, this is nuts. And if I can dial my brain into their channel a little, because like Bollywood, we were talking this morning about the fact that Rose is going, you know what I've noticed at the Dollar Movie, they always have one current Indian movie running. And we went, right, because – We north of Dallas or northern Dallas is T.I. and all this stuff. And there's a zillion Indian communities up there, essentially, Mm -hmm. or one big one, all working in engineering and computers and stuff. And so we start looking. We're like, oh, my gosh, here's the Southeast Asian movie theater. It's got four movies running. We can (laughs) go up there and see something with a real audience and see how they react to the crime drama with the four Bollywood numbers in the middle of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because if you don't have a song about it, what's the point of having the movie? Gangsters can dance too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, There's a lot of
2: Korean movies here. Well, not here, not where I am, but around here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Korean movies are actually really good. That's mm-hmm. what, that's what I mean. They they have a really big movie industry for a tiny country.
1: Yeah, and that could be our next thing. Well, because I just read. Uh, have you guys read? Um, uh, a Kim Jong Il production. Oh, what? <laughs> no? This is called a Kim Jong Il production. So he's he's the the father of the current dictator of Un. North Korea. Kim and he was huh? Kim Jong Un. E U N. No, Il is the yeah. father of
0: him. Yeah, I'm. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, I'm saying he's Yeah. Well, he's the father there's of the so many Kim. Dictator.
1: Song Il Il Song Jung Il Jung, uh, you know I can't keep track of all this. So anyway, um, and I'm sorry, that's just il how is it is. Il is the
0: father, Un is the son.
1: Like I'm saying, that's why I'm telling you. Okay, he's the father of the current dictator. He's dead now, but in his heyday, the way he loved movies so much, and so the way he got um, to be his father's, his own father, Il Sung's successor is by manipulating media. He was the head of the propaganda department. Mm. And so he was making all these movies, and he was using it to manipulate everyone and the country, of course, and brainwash everyone. But once that was all accomplished, he wanted to use movies differently, and he also wanted to have national international respect. And so he looked at the Japanese, who after World War II, one of the ways they did it was by putting movies into foreign competitions. And gaining mm-hmm. respect culturally. And he goes, well, we can't do that because our movies are crap and I know it. Because all they did is glorify, you know, every romance was about restoring the motherland or, you know, the, the dear leader or whoever, which was him. And um, so <laughs> what he did is he kidnapped the top South Korean director and the top South Korean actress who happened to be have been married and divorced at that point. And put them back together after a few years no. and said, You will now direct movies for me. And they were like, This is the only, for one thing, the guy was like, I haven't been able to direct movies for so long, but also, this is the only way we're going to get out.
2: Yeah. And they, they did a good job, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Was, I, I, I know all about this. Was this a movie that I saw and forgot it
1: about? It could have been, or it could have just been in the news, or because when they got out, everybody talked about it, but I yeah. they didn't know about it. But this book is, Very entertainingly written for a nonfiction has a lot of facts. And in the back, it's a huge section of here's my documentation and there's more online kind of thing. Um, But it's so well written, but it's all about, you know, the power of movies, the power of foreign movies. That's why he kept all the foreign movies out, because nobody should see that this wasn't the workers paradise. Uh-huh. They were being told every place else was worse. And so when he started to <laughs> let the South Korean director have a little more control and they went to, oh gosh, somewhere like Berlin or somewhere, but they were allowed to film just a little bit of stuff. Everybody suddenly went, but there aren't riots in the street. They all look like they have coats. Yeah. They look like they've been fed. And so what he didn't realize is what was getting in in the background to the people. So anyway, it's just a really well done book. And it's it goes to, you know, the point of, you know movies are important and they show us everything hmm. yeah anyway it's a really good book it's I normally wouldn't read that kind of book but it went through our family that like sounds, my life
0: that sounds like something exactly that you would
1: normally read <laughs> I don't care about <laughs> dictators
0: no but you care about well, stuff that's interesting and that sounds interesting mm-hmm. and movies yeah
1: well yeah that's what after Hannah gave it to Tom who then Rose read it and I was like well I can't be the only one everybody's going oh are you really going to read it? I'm like, yes. Don't talk about this thing. You got,
0: it's not peer pressure. It's family pressure.
1: Exactly. Family peer pressure. Family. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. But that story is nuts, so,
0: anyway. We got an interesting story today. I'm, yeah, let's do uh, this. I'm interested to talk about this one. And uh, I also want to figure out when we can do Seton's Ant. I didn't brave email again to try and have this conversation <laughs> because I hate email. So... It's so slow and
1: I know. ponderous. I know. <sighs> Welcome to my world. I love it. Uh, it's so slow and ponderous. This it's full of spam. My...
0: That's the other thing.
1: Well, that's your problem, not mine. Oh, my God. I hate... Mine is not. You're lucky. It's all shunted off into a folder. It's
0: all just the occasional email from Jesse, uh, twittering you.
1: <laughs> I have an active and vital Eli email life aside oh, from you, young man. I I, I do too, and <laughs> that's man.
0: what I don't like about it. Like I, I have, there's a fan of uh, the my podcasts who writes after everyone. And I'm, oh, like, really? I'm running out of stuff to say. It's so I love it. all I can do is like put a smiley face or something, and it's like
3: that's oh, good shoot. enough.
0: I have to
1: hit oh, reply, that's
0: and of... then I have to hit smiley face, then I have to hit.
1: Oh, send, for you, lo- about... mm-hmm. oh, oh, first world problem. Where's my violin? <laughs> oh, somebody uh, really is, likes what I'm doing and appreciates world, the work I put into it and praises me. Oh, I have to respond.
0: Yeah. Come yeah. on. Well, you know, funny. but he also sends me like news clippings and heat temperatures and stuff like um, well, you don't
2: have to He's you know, slightly excessive
1: your person. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, it's not it's not negative. It's just a lot.
1: Yeah. I have a. Yeah. yeah. I have a forgotten classics fan who's now doing that to me. We live in Dallas. Let's get coffee. And I'm like, OK. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> You're, you've, you've bled your personal life all over these three emails we've had. I'm kind of nervous about your personality, but we'll meet at a Starbucks somewhere and, you know, some public place. And yeah. so,
2: so this could be our last podcast, huh, Julie?
1: <laughs> Try and be
2: my obsessive fan.
1: There, I don't think <laughs> it
0: what it is is it's just – it's like how I, – I think that's how I met you, Julie, right? It's just I find somebody on the internet really fascinating and, and – oh. uh, and you say you know them because of their podcast, right?
1: Back at you, yeah, exactly. Right, and so then you're
0: honored. That's well, it's it's you know, not everybody has a podcast, so. Um, exactly. It's 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 fascinating. Yeah,
1: All you right. feel like you know them like a friend. Anyway, moving on. Yeah,
0: totally. On. You, well, yeah. I mean, you would really do know them in a, at least one percentage one yeah. way of mode of being, right? Yeah, me she's too.
1: she's going to be sorry once we meet. She's told me enough of herself for me to go, oh, okay. and you're Catholic too, and I see some of the things you're saying. Let's not talk about Catholicism okay. or we'll never meet again. <laughs> well, maybe we will talk about Catholicism and we'll never meet again.
2: Okay. <laughs> well, both sentences end with we'll never meet again.
1: <laughs> Just a dream of mine. It's fine. <laughs> 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 okay. Anyway.
0: All right. So um, let's do a show, shall we?